welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, thank you for being with us here on the program. I, uh, I am so grateful for those of you who are listening and watching, whether you're listening on uh, AM 1290, FM 96.9, you're listening on uh, the live stream at richarddugan.com. You're listening to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. Or you're watching on YouTube. The YouTube channel is, uh, of course, Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being a part of what we are doing here in our efforts to change the world. Our special guest is returning a returning guest. Always love having returning guests because they're back again to give us more insight and information and maybe in this case a little fun along the way. Uh, my uh, guest today is returning. Uh, she is um, Melanie Ortmel, Salvatore August, and it's a pleasure to have you back here uh, to talk more. You, you shared with us the last time you were with us, of course, about uh, initially uh, we went all over the the spectrum, but initially about how yoga can help one's immune system. And we have a new topic that I think is really appropriate for for today and for what people are going through. But thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Richard. Happy to be here. So the the conversation today uh, that we want to uh, talk about, you, you kind of brought this up as we were uh, discussing having you back on the program because uh, you just had so much to say. Where are we going to? Wh where's step one in our in our our path here for the next hmm, hour, hour and a half? Maybe we'll see how that goes. Uh, where where are we going to start from the? I I, I almost want to say from the yoga position. What yoga position are we starting with here? Mm -hmm. Well, if we were to start from a yoga position, it's it's mountain pose do you know what mountain pose is Richard? no i do not mountain pose is standing in anatomical standard position feet hip width shoulders over the hips and arms out to the side that that seems kind of like an arrogant stance i am better than you are no <laughs> no okay no it's a neutral stance neutral a okay neutral stance. i gotcha <laughs> it's neutral now if i'm puffing up my chest Throwing my shoulders back and going, come on. Then, then maybe, maybe. <laughs> I <laughs> got you. We okay. can do that one later. Um, so if it was a pose, it would be mountain pose. And mountain pose is mountain pose because it's about being steady, grounded, mm -hmm. resilient. And so I, I feel that maybe that's what we should talk about today. How do we in, you know, a chaotic world... Mm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times it's the, the macro and the micro, right? So the world feels really chaotic. And then, then our little tiny world within us, which is really big, feels really chaotic. Our relationships, our households are right. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we get grounded and steady so we can be resilient and, uh, weather, weather all that change. So that's what I think we should talk about. Well, let's uh, let's start with that pose, that stance, the mountain stance of, um, you know, sort of a, a, a position of strength. But at the same time, um, it seems to me like the observer 
is a good mm -hmm. place as well that if we were observing rather than uh, up to our eyeballs in the experience, if you will, okay, yet we are, I mean, we're in the experience, uh, how can we make that shift out mm -hmm. or to that position of observer Observer, if we're going through it? Because that's the, the, probably the biggest challenge of all. Yeah. Yeah, so that's such an astute view as well. Um, I think there's an aspect of just kind of naming it and becoming aware that you have the ability to observe. Just just at that point, because so I don't you know know about everyone who's listening, but for me, it's like that's the key point. Like, you know, if I'm in it, Sometimes I forget that I can actually pull out of it and, and stop. And and so I think even just like listening to something inspiring, tuning in to, to you know, the show today, whatever it is, like just a reminder, uh, even posting a reminder for yourself, like on your mirror, comes up on your phone, right? Um, that you can pause breathe and observe pull out okay what you're going to observe well you know who knows what you're going to observe but that that pause and breathe will give you some time the emotions though are still important how and can you can you talk to us a little bit about how and why they are important in those experiences, even if we do take the pause and breathe and so forth to be the observer? Uh, is is that yeah. is that is there a is there a connection or do we need to not permanently? Don't get me wrong, folks, but temporarily disconnect from our emotions. Mm -hmm. In that time, there's a lot in there, Richard. That's um, first. I would say for me, the um, and, and from my understanding, our emotions are um, information, right? So they are very important and not to be denied. They're 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 key. They're key information. You might even call them um, uh, arrows. Like they point. They they tell you what's happening. Like, hey, look over here. <laughs> you're angry because you betrayed yourself or right? like or right there's loss happening that's why you feel grief like there's if they're pointing directions for us to look so i do think they're very important at the same time just like our thoughts are transients uh they're ever changing right our body's ever changing so many aspects of ourselves are constantly in flux our emotions are constantly in flux as well and i feel like that's a, just an important understanding because if we're like i'm angry and that's our flag poster or i'm sad and we hold on to it you know, or i'm never not going to be sad so i'm therefore hopeless um i think it's important to understand that yes they are to be observed yes they are to be listened to and respected and they're transient now, when we start okay. to process the information 
that comes through as the observer. And that's where we're going to kind of start here in terms of sort of recentering ourselves. Um, we, you know, we're, we're a lot of times we're looking for that quick fix. I, and I realize that especially in the West and in the United States in particular, you know, it's, it's very quick. I mean, uh, it's funny. I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've observed this or not. Uh, there are fewer computer commercials on television, but when there were, they were always promoting how much faster they were than the old models. And every new innovation, it was another gigahertz faster and another terabyte faster or whatever, you know, whatever the, 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 the speed uh, references or measurements are. But there is no quick fix through this this process it is ongoing i mean that's really what it comes down to is that as you have probably experienced and you share with others it's it literally is as strange as it has always been to me when i hear oh yes the doctor he has his own practice like what do you mean practice he's not that good at it he's still practicing you know but that's really the truth of the matter here for us that we are constantly, and we need to be constantly practicing, don't we? Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, you know, a yoga practice, the uh, yogis called it a sadhana, which directly, directly relates to practice. Not a perfect, not a performance, um, not a demonstration, it's a practice. Um, and absolutely, I always, <laughs> every morning when I wake up, some level of like, oh, I get another chance today right i mean there's still obviously there's more for me to learn more for me to practice like um so as long as i wake up my practice is still happening i'm curious how long have you been practicing <laughs> my whole life <laughs> <laughs> that's what for i sure. thought melanie yeah. salvatore August is my guest here on the program, and you are listening to, ladies and gentlemen, Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I always enjoy having folks back on the program to talk about the work that they are doing. Today, we're talking with Melanie Salvatore August and um, the work that she is doing. You have uh, quite a number of, uh, of books out. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about, because I think this applies in terms of where we're where we're going today with this particular program, um, fierce kindness. It's hard to be kind sometimes because we get stuck in our emotions when things come up and then we react. And it's hard. So we... To be the observer, is, is that not the better place to be, to be kind, fiercely kind? Or is there a different definition that you'd like to share with us? Mm, gosh, again, Richard, I, I love all of that. Um, I guess I'll start with fiercely kind. What is fierce kindness? Fierce kindness to me is, um, maybe in its most direct way, what it sounds like, right? That, that, that um, to be truly kind there takes there needs needs to be a strength in that and a clarity, and that um, that clarity actually can be radical in the sense of um, lots of times we're programmed 
right, to cover up whatever truth is inside us or to to kind of anesthetize. So it's asking us to deprogram and really get to like what is really happening here and get underneath the emotions, all the things that you've mentioned. But another aspect of fierce kindness, which I see is that the hardest place in my experience is to shift and be kind in our own heads. Mm. So for me, you know, I can shift, make some space and be kind to you, Richard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and hopefully my partner, <laughs> well, it depends on the day. And the hardest place it is for me to be kind is within my own head. So how I'm talking to myself. So for me, fierce kindness is self-loving kindness, which then simultaneously leads me to save a um, outward kindness and service in the world. So if I can truly shift how I talk to myself, the choices I make for how I take care of me as a being, then then it will enable me um, to help others. So, and in fact, the more I help myself and help others at the same time, it almost creates a, um, a, a bigger effect, right? So, so if I'm just focusing on me, 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 then that that has a kind of delays it. And if I'm just ignoring myself and, and going to just do service, there is a certain kind of um, uh, disconnection and uh, lack of foundational power to what I'm doing. So you know, I'm going to live it and then I'm going to share it at mm. the same time. So here's kindness in that way. You know, that's rather interesting because I know the lo- a lot of people, they're very much into service. Uh, that's kind of what I might say would be my life. My life's purpose is to be of service. However, one cannot be 100% of service to others because one also has to take care of self. And that is something I think that some people, they lose sight of and they think, oh, no, no, that's selfish. Um, Help us to better understand the aspect, because I've been hearing this and I've been reading about it all over the place, uh, about self-care. Again, some people would view that as being selfish. You know, you don't have, I don't have time for that. I've got to, I've got to be doing all of these different things and and on and on and on. Um, and why that's so important, even to those people, whether they're caregivers or people who are volunteering, especially the right, you know, maybe the retirees, that kind of thing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I think of, you know, the, the get on the airplane and you're like, you put on your oxygen mask and then the person beside you. So I think in that the most straightforward terms is that you have to put on your oxygen mask. You know, it's, there's two people down if you don't. So, um, so that aspect, of course. Um, I also feel that there is a there's a love and energy of healing feels one way, and fear and the energy that I, I'll call fear feels another way, and they have certain effects in the world, right? So no matter what we're saying, we 
our electromagnetic field and our thoughts create electromagnetic field. I mean, we have all these different instruments that can that can gauge that. It's it's real. It's not woo-woo, right? Our electromagnetic field is what, what comes forward. So if you really want to be of service, you've got to look within because no matter what your words are saying or even your actions are trying to do, there, there is an authenticity that is needed, uh, I think, to really be of service. Um, so so that, that occurs to me as well. It just you have to put on your oxygen mask and then and then go to help others yeah. and uh, and you really want to be of service. Um, I also know, yeah. I also know too that the first rule of survival is take care of number one. Again, it goes back to what you've just you've already said with the with the uh, gas the uh, uh, air mask, oxygen mask. Uh, that if you don't take care of number one, how are you going to help two, three, and four? You know, right. and and yeah. uh, you know, I mean, there's. <laughs> And it's not easy. No, uh, I, I, I right now I, I am seeing that scene from the movie Titanic, uh, where Dawson he's telling her, "No, it's all right. You're fine. You're okay. You, you just stay up there." And I, I was watching this uh, this one shtick, this this comedy bit where she was laying on this huge piece of wood. There was more than enough room for five people, and he ends up going a minute. You know, and and it's like, you know, uh, it's it's really uh, it's hard sometimes. I in in the things that that I go through, and I'm sure you as well, uh, as we go through our lives and we experience this with our our uh, relatives, our partners, our friends, mm-hmm. uh, and and even associates, maybe co-workers you've worked with for a long time, and they're kind of like family. They kind of get that way. For sure. And you can see, even though it's not really physically or visually apparent, you're aware of the destructive behavior of others. And there's this... I don't know if you want to call it a paradox or catch 22, but it's like, okay, they're free moral agents. They're adults. Okay. If they're not, if they're not adult, if they're children, that's a whole nother thing. But if they're adults over 18, who am I? Uh, it's, it's kind of like when I went through my first divorce after the divorce was over, all of my family members said, Oh yeah, well, we knew I, and I would go, then why didn't you say something? Well, it wasn't, they would say, it's not our place. I was like, well, now, after the fact, it's your place, you know, kind of thing. And I wasn't critical. But um, we, you know, but they are free moral agents and they have to make their own way. What about the concept, and I'm sure you're familiar, with that contract that we fill out, that we agree to when we come into this life? Do you think that uh, as someone who wants to help them through, wants to assist, facilitate, whatever word you want to use, you think maybe we might be interfering with their contractual agreements? Or, I mean, it's like, how do we know? Does that go back to, ah, I better check inside. I better check in within. I think so. I, I think so. And you know what also occurs to me, Richard, is, can we actually really help if it's not 
if it's not the path? I mean, will it actually, uh, will it be, uh, will, will you change somebody's path? And, and, and my initial feeling is no, you won't change somebody's path. I mean, you, we can help each other, but it has to be like this mutual, it's a mutual dance and, and let's say soul, somewhat soul agreement that maybe we're, we're conscious of or most likely unconscious of. Um, and if that agreement isn't there and, and the dance won't happen or it's gonna happen differently. And, and there's gonna be, it, maybe it's not what we think the outcome or think the effect will be, it's going to be something different and it'll be just as it needs to be. Well, you know, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, I'll use the phrase divine right timing. Uh, mm, is, like is another phrase uh, one might use in terms of um, assisting, supporting, facilitating, again, whatever word you want to use. And that might be my path to do those kinds of things. But at the same time, would you say also that it takes some discretion, again, maybe that going within, to say, not in this instance, Yes, in this instance. I think so. I think so. I mean, it make, it brings me back to, you know, what is, and these are such blanket terms, what does love feel like? And what does fear feel like? I can definitely this, tell you what fear feels like. Love, hmm. you know, so I question that sometimes because of some of the situations <laughs> that I find myself in. You know, it's like, yeah. am I sure this is love? I, I, I'm not 100% certain. I've already been through one divorce. I didn't have many yes. girlfriends. That's okay. Well, and that's like, what, what are we talking about? What are we talking about romantic love? We're talking about arrows? Are we talking about un, uh, like an unconditional connection of wholeness? Yeah. Just to life itself? Like, what are we talking about with love? And I think that that's also very important. Good question. Uh, I'm talking I'm a very kind of blanket. You know, when you feel even just simply gratitude, what does that feel like? What is that resonant feeling in your physical body? Yeah. Melanie, Salvatore August is my guest, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's an extraordinary program that we have today here with uh, uh, Mel, and uh, I am so thankful and grateful that she is a part of the program today because of the work that she has done. She's a former comedy writer, veteran yoga meditation teacher, Reiki master, here, here. Um, you're a, a mama of three, okay? And uh, she's also the author of several books, Fierce Kindness, I mentioned earlier, be a positive force for change. Kitchen yoga, simple home practices to transform mind, body, and life. And of course, uh, the yoga to support immunity. It's a mind-body breathing guide to whole health. That's what we talked about in our last program. Do you find that Genetics has anything to do with any of this that uh, you've heard this before that two people can go through the same experience 
uh, one of them will come out maybe stronger, uh, feeling more confident, more vibrant. The other person falls apart and may end up deciding to check out because they just couldn't handle it. And you just never know who, who, which one of those people you're going to be when uh, a collective group of people goes through something like, let's say, uh, the Vegas uh, uh, mass shooting uh, several years back or some of the school shootings or an earthquake or tornadoes yeah. and, and the list goes on. Um, do you think that, that, that that's more genetic or do we have more, uh, I don't want to use the word control because we have little control over much, power. Do you think we have that kind of power to overcome, say, maybe our, our DNA, our genetics? I feel like this is a, this is a very rich conversation and, and just to like, you know, name it fully. No, I'm not a, a doctor. I'm not a, a scientist. And, mm-hmm. and and with that, you know, very clearly, I can only just share what I, you know, what I think, right? Mm-hmm. My opinion, right. we all have. Right. Um, and I feel that, you know, I, I do, I think it's fascinating because like our ancestors, so, you know, we have our DNA, but then also our ancestors' experiences from what I understand, I don't remember the name, but they, there's little markers in our DNA. That's not that changes the DNA, but actually like these m- markers within them um, when there's a famine, when they're, you know, like these, these markers that have been passed on, um, experiences that our ancestors have that absolutely affect how we respond to things. Um, do I think it's 100% of how we respond and survive? No, I don't. I, you know, if it was, if we were really looking at it, like, okay, yes, it's DNA, and it's also um, your your mental outlook, and it's also your current state of health, which has to do with both, and it's also your um, state of um, what's the word I want um, abundance, basically, mm-hmm. or your uh, there's a word like it, it'll come to me, but this aspect of you know, how much privilege do you have? I mean, we all, like, I know I'm sitting in a lot of privilege here. So like what, what, what comes and makes all of that resilience? And I think that it's a lot of different aspects of Mm. life coming together. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no question. Again, acknowledging, you know, your, your credentials, uh, as well as uh, the lack thereof as well, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, yeah, I, would, that, I was just curious about your perspective uh, as a practitioner of, of the variety of different modalities that you utilize in the work that you do working with people as well. Um, you also have uh, a... Uh, uh, you, you founded the Fierce Kindness Organization, Me Well Classroom, and uh, people can join you uh, a daily at Yoga Works at Home Platform. You can learn more, of course, at uh, MelanieSalvatoreAugust.com, which we will be linked to. Tell us a little bit about uh, this, this particular work, especially the Fierce Kindness Organization. Sounds like uh, uh, what we constantly, we, we see on a regular basis, you know, an act of kindness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think it is, you know, an act of kindness, um, you know, really what, as I mentioned, fierce kindness is really is about, okay, how do you help yourself while helping other people at the same time? And uh, so, you know, 
a lot of times what our, our organizational does is, is go in and to help kids think differently, right? And or or to bring groups of people together who maybe do have a lot of um, affluence of some way and have them uh, do something, whether it's physical exercise or um, coming together on mindset shift and that they bring their resources together then to go literally go take that resource and help. I mean, it's as simple as, you know, clean, warm socks for our homeless community, that kind of thing. Like whatever we can do, it, it can be very small. It doesn't have to be so big, right? right. So like the little things, those that act of kindness, right? It really does make a huge difference. And so, you know, lo- looking at, you know, where right now can you make a difference? And my, my question is like for any of us is where right now, this moment, can you make a difference for yourself and therefore make a difference out in the world? And it could be simply right now, go drink a glass of water. I mean, you may think like, okay, Mel, how's that going to change the world? Well, one thing, it'll help change you. It will literally shift a negative mind pattern into uh, hopefully a self-care. And we go back to that word. My uh, mindset, you know, I'm doing something good for myself here. I am literally clearing out the toxins, right? Mm. I'm literally saying I am worth love. And I'm pausing to drink this consciously, right? So oh. go, go drink a glass of water. Set <laughs> your first micro habit, best foot forward, right? And then see what comes next as you go okay well that was good now i'm going to take a deep breath you do it consciously yeah. intentionally yes intentionally and then then we go to the next and we go to the next and you think well what happens next mel sit and be still honey sit and be still now drink another glass of water <laughs> now take another deep breath Go use the bathroom consciously. Okay. Now, and, and things will start to come to you, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you find it easy to, to know your path? Have you, have you found that easy over the years? Or has it been a challenge to hear that, that guidance, that prompting? Uh, or maybe not to hear it, because it's real easy to hear, uh, to follow it. No, oh, it's such a great question. Um, I, well, maybe this isn't fair to my indigenous friends, but like for many years, I would say, oh, my, it was a trail of tears. I lived in Los Angeles and I moved to New York and I'd go to New York and I'd move back to LA. And so there was many, many years, 15 years or more, and my, my high school years, you know, um, many years where I would say I was in despair. I was truly uh, lost, mm. um, very, and, and, and feeling lots of confusion about the world and, and where I fit in. And, um, and I say that, you know, as a child, uh, there was a clarity early on, um, and, and a very open heart. And I can look back and see where, the my idea of what how to survive in the world shut down that heart mm. so it was it took me many years to be how can i be 
kind of in the world, but not of the world. Right. And how can I literally all the masks and all the layers I put on myself to protect myself, to blend in, <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. never know I'm here. Right. Right. I, I, it, it took, and for me, that's what yoga was. It was a help to peel away, peel away and become that observer and get, get more clarity on okay, well, who, who are you really? And, and where are you um, not honoring that? So it was a very big journey. Um, and listening and, and hearing, you know, I believe we're all clairvoyant, audiovoyant, sentient, which simply means, right, you have uh, intuitive feelings about things, or you may, you may even hear it in words, or you may get, you know, get a flash, I call them holograms, you might just get like a vision in front of you, like, oh, yeah, I, I imagined that, right? Um, I believe we all have those uh, those tools, just like we can smell through our nose and, you know, all that different, our normal, regular, tangible senses. And when I, I learned for many years of when I heard or felt or saw and I disregarded, I got myself in deep trouble. And so after being in deep trouble, like, <laughs> oh, was it, um, I can't think of his name. I mean, he's such a, like a, a icon, a teacher, beautiful. I'll think of his name. But he talks, he's passed now. You'd say, you know, here's a hole. You walk by, you fall into the hole. You're like, oh, there's a hole there. You, you get back up. It takes you forever to get back up. You start walking on your journey. You fall into that same hole. Oh, it takes a while. You, but you do that over and over and over again. And finally, you're like, hey, there's a hole there. I'm not going to go in it. <laughs> And then you think you're on your way and then you, you fall in again. But this time you get out of that hole so much faster because, you know, you, you learn. So I've learned after falling into the hole so many times um, to listen more than not to listen. And now when I fall into that hole, I, I get out. I get out faster um, because I have tools. And as I, you know, the circles are right back to like, okay, just simply reminding yourself that you can get a big picture. You can pull out, right? That you have the ability to say, okay, what would this mean in five years? What would this mean if, if everything just disappeared? What would this mean for me? And get a, a view. And so that's why I go back to like, Maybe it's something very simple that you put on your mirror. It's mm -hmm. a go post it, you know. Um, recently, I heard someone say the five by five rule. I thought five by five rule. If if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it now. Being upset mm. or worried. And I thought, okay, that's you know, there there is an aspect of that. If for you to look at forward in five, you have to become an observer and you have to get out of that to be able to look. You know, it it, uh, it rings to mind um, one of the techniques that I know a lot of people will use, especially when uh, they are taking care of someone who's going through a, 
uh, a terrific uh, uh, situation, an illness or what have yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and the technique is to post all kinds of little notes all over the place, on the mirrors, in the cupboards, uh, in the underwear drawer, you know, in the silverware drawer, uh, maybe in the dishwasher before you wash, uh, but just in the cabinets, in the cupboards, and, and, and maybe in your the coat pocket, and on and on and on and on, of encouragement, of support, of, of uh, uh, inspiration, They're saying, hey, look, you know, you're not alone, you know. Uh, and, and so forth. Uh, the other thing that came to my mind when you mentioned the whole was this uh, <clears throat> uh, State of the Union speech. Uh, I don't know that this was actually a real speech, but it was. Uh, this was the way it was phrased. Uh, the nation as a whole is prosperous. That is not to say the whole nation is prosperous, but as a whole, it is prosperous. Have you ever seen a prosperous whole? And, you know, you sometimes wonder, okay, where's this stuff come from? But um, I think about that, and I'm, I'm thinking the person that you might be thinking of, and I'm just intuiting, intuiting this, uh, Wayne Dyer. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. And I think, too, that, that this whole aspect of uh, the falling in the hole, you think about it from the standpoint of, okay, is this part of my path? Is this part of my contract? And if so, what am I supposed to learn about falling yeah. in this hole? And maybe, maybe it's not to get out of the hole. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's to dig down deeper or dig laterally and, and see where it takes me. Uh, and so, I mean, we just, yeah, most of the time we think, got to get out of the hole. Who says? You know, I mean, maybe right. for a time it might be kind of a nice place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when we start to look, we look at that hole as literal and there's the only ways that you get out of it. Yeah. And, you know, what I hear you saying, which is super helpful, I, I think, Richard, which is what is this here to teach me? Yeah. Right. And that question, what is this here to teach me, also gives you perspective. Mm -hmm. It also pulls you out of being in the gerbil's wheel of reaction. Yeah. Right. So what is this here to teach me? That's a wonderful tool. And I think sometimes it is if you're used to jumping out, <laughs> you're used to jumping out. Like, if, oh, if I'm trying to get out, maybe I should be going through this mm -hmm. to, well, the, to this unknown place yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Well, I interviewed a gentleman uh, maybe a year or so ago, and he had had his stomach removed because of cancer. He was still alive. He was still able to um, get nourishment and so forth. And I, I asked him the question about the stomach cancer and, and the removal of his stomach and so forth. And I said, uh, have you spent any time thinking about why? Not so much uh, wh why you chose this. What, it, what events in your past have triggered this? And do you know that he had never thought about it? And then within the context of the interview, he began to reveal a little bit about his childhood and dinner table and, and the food and, and these kinds of things. That's when we become the observer, I think, even more so, isn't it? When we start not, not so much to question, and, and I, I like to stay away from the word why, I like the phrase better, what is this? What is this supposed to teach? What am I supposed to learn from this? What life lesson am I supposed to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Which is actually a gift. Yeah, it really is. It really is. M- Melanie Salvatore August, my guest, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. MelanieSalvatoreAugust.com is the website. I encourage you to go there as we continue talking with uh, with her. Mel is our guest here on the program. And I, I have to say that uh, as we were talking there and you mentioned um, about, you know, what we're to learn from this particular experience, I've even been able to put into great context from for, for me, for me, uh, maybe not so much for my brother or sisters, uh, the passing of my eldest sister back in late March 2022 and uh, realizing uh, that though there was a, a, a sadness at not being able to look back and have spent more time, even on the phone, because she lived in Arizona, I lived here, but uh, when I kind of say, you know what, you did what you did and it's okay and you had the conversation that you wanted to have with her when you did and you, you were her brother and she was your sister and you had that relationship da, 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 da. and so you know you don't need to dwell and wallow in what what if what if what if but looking at all of the things that she gave me over the years whether it was whether it was in person or remotely just by her being not being there but just by her being and um, uh, and and I'm so grateful that I have this uh, the video of the memorial with all of the the pictures that her husband took, thousands and thousands of pictures he took. He only had about three four hundred that he showed at the memorial. <laughs> I think we only got about a three to five second view of each one, but now at least I can sl- stop the video and <laughs> I can look at look at those pictures. And. I again, it's it's like, OK, yeah, I'm in the emotion of uh, of um, shall we say compassion of uh, of love of for my sister. But at the same time, I do feel a little bit like the observer, like, wow, this person was here in the physical isn't anymore in the physical, but is still here. And so I, I and I. I know that I, I remember uh, one or two people that have passed that where I got very, very emotional over and others and who I knew who I just kind of looked around going, wow, now they're now they're everywhere. They're watching everything. How cool is that? I wonder what that's like. And that's why that that, that subject has always been a, a curiosity to me. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have lost if you will, if you want to put it this way, uh, the potential of over a million people just over the the virus that 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 ran across this globe. But have we really lost them? And I think that's one of the other aspects of the awareness of being the observer, right, is if, as you said before, you know, we have that and I'm just going to use the one term sixth sense of all of the characteristics that you described. If that's the case, then we we're in communion with them all the time. So there's really nothing. There's really nothing lost, is there? No, and it's beautifully put. 
mean, the yogis um, kind of uh, this aspect of, okay, what is changing? You know, I mentioned everything that's changing, our mind's changing, our body's changing, our energy's changing, right? It's all changing. And what is not changing in the yogi's view is spirit or soul or like, you know, changeless being, right? Um, and it, it occurs to me to, to share that because it's like, that's what is real and what is unreal. What is real is that aspect of us that is not in, it, it, yes, it's embodied and then it is not embodied, you know. I'm going to take off the personality known as Belle. I'm going to move out of this body, but I will continue without the container. And um, I, you know, I, I believe that's really what you're saying, you know, this is because the container is gone does not mean that the consciousness is gone. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It's, is that, is that Newton's law? You know, it's, I'm not sure whose law it is. There's some universal law somewhere in the back pages there. Uh, but but it is true, you know, that, uh, yeah, energy will always be energy. It will just be transformed. And everything is temporary with that one exception, energy. The form of energy is temporary. And it's like you said, the five by five rule. You could pretty much, you could pretty much say that about every situation you come across, uh, because if not in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, it will have changed. So much for the five years. Okay, so you know, I will never forget, and I still have the poster. I was given at twenty-one. Apparently, I exhibited uh, the high-end aspects of Irishness, of worry. And I was given this poster with this poem uh, that briefly says, uh, Why worry? <clears throat> you're, either, you're either going to uh, stay healthy or you're going to get sick. If you stay healthy, you have nothing to worry about. If you get sick, you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. If you get better, you have nothing to worry about. If you get worse, you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to live or you're going to die. If you live, you have nothing to worry about. If you die, you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. If you go to heaven, you have nothing to worry about. If you go to hell, you're going to be too damn busy shaking hands with friends to worry. And uh, I thought, okay, that's rather apropos. Uh, don't, don't relish the idea of shaking hands with friends in hell. But uh, the point is well made that we allow ourselves to get caught up. And I would think that the out, outside world distractions, you can call it the media, you can call it social media, whatever you want. They don't help. <laughs> they really, they, most social media doesn't help. I would say that LinkedIn, um, I think that LinkedIn helps in a, in a big way. I really do. Uh, because I love many of the videos and uh, many of the postings of poems and stories of people who have come through incredible adversity and diversity, if you will. Um, what, about, what about your life and the diversity that you have uh, been faced with over the, the short time you've been on this planet? Mm. In one aspects, Richard, because you know, like everybody, even even the, even the most blessed lives, if you look in there, there is always adversity, right? Always. Mm -hmm. So, in what what aspect can you give me a little? Well, how about how about health and well being or uh, 
Uh, family dynamics, I myself, I don't have those uh, holiday uh, 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 dinners where you've got a food fight going and arguments and, and people screaming and yelling across the table, um, you know, and uh, apparently I have a sister who is now going to jo- join the anti or the, uh, the no gallbladder club. Uh, she will make number six in our family of eight, <laughs> mm. Mm. but they're catching it early. Um, that's just good. So, I mean, I've, and I've got my health conditions and I had legal blindness until I was, uh, 36, uh, you know, and so forth and so on. So, you know, what about you in terms of, uh, those, those, uh, uh, challenges that were, that were set before you or you set before yourself Mm -hmm. that, uh, maybe at the time you didn't think, ah, I can't make it through here, but the reality was you kind of knew inside, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually feel like there's, I've had, uh, you know, I've had a lot, I've had my share, you know, it makes me uh, go to the probably one of the most influential, and I don't know if I've unpacked it completely. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that, you know, I also had vision issues as a baby. And had a couple operations before I was one. And um, and maybe you had some of this going on, but uh, I had wore an eye patch for many years. And sometimes for like eight to ten hours a day. And so it's very interesting, you know, the scheme of what could be hardship, right? That, you know, it's like, well, come on, I was still eating. I had had a, you know, a stable home. But you wore a boo-hoo, you wore an eye patch. But it's fascinating how, you know, that uh, patching my kind of good eye and my bad eye that couldn't see, couldn't see, you know, and (laughs) and I just remember sweat pouring down my face and the smell of the glue of the patch and kids were mean and, and just always just, you know, just feeling like the world was so difficult and I couldn't see and, um, and I was not like a fast lipped kind of child i was <laughs> really um soft and gushy on the outside and the inside so <laughs> i know it's like a, i always think of like a turtle without any shell and patch and so you know i remember you know being very sad and being very discouraged and i look back now and i think i i learned to intercede you know my my outer eyes we're closed, but my inner eyes developed and my ability to hear developed um, and, and also be resilient and, and to, to, I mean, it was a slow process, but to be like, okay, how many times are you gonna look out for affirmation? How many times are you going to look to everyone else to tell you that you're okay? And why don't you look within and uh, create peace? And and I'd say that that started, I mean, I started being patched when I was two and I was patched probably until I was eight or nine, something like that. So it was a very formidable mm. um, years, uh, which I say we have some of that in common, you know, this, this aspect of yeah. eyes. And I feel like, so 
I don't know if I answered your question because there's you know, pl plenty of things, you know, having three boys and uh, birthing children and taking care of them and, you know, Hashimoto thyroiditis and, and feeling all these different things that can happen. And I think the most formidable is not being able to see. Well, I, I can tell you that I don't recall every time in school, in spite of the bullying and everything, and I wore those thick bottle bottom type glasses mm. and carried the large print books around, uh, that I ever wished that I had normal sight. I don't think I ever, I think it was more, I wish they would just leave me alone. You know, that, yeah, was, sure. that was the wish. Um, but I did real good in track and field, you know, you know, it's a flight or fright, uh, flight or yep, fight. Yep. I didn't want to fight. So, <laughs> and I did win many awards, uh, in the uh, track and field category at PE. So there you go. Um, it is very interesting. And by you, you mentioned Hashimoto's. I, it, it must be a, a lot more common because I have an author that I'm going to be talking with about that. And I'm going, yeah, I have that too, but I'm not taking any medication for it because apparently it's not as pronounced. And of course, I'm trying to figure out, well, what, what does it do or doesn't do or how does it affect you? And I was like, I don't know. All I know is I've been told. This is, this is the other thing. That's what I was told I have. Okay. They drew blood. They ran a bunch of tests. You got this, 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 this. Oh, and you have this. All right. Now, well, I guess I have to believe you because, you know, I have no I have no refuting evidence to say that I don't. So, you know, they could tell me I was eight feet tall for all I know. And it's like, oh, OK, OK, until I can get some refuting evidence like a, a proper ruler or what have you. But it is interesting how uh, the different uh, um, things that come in, the challenges. I like to refer to them as challenges, not uh, matter of fact, um, uh, early on. I would refer to my legal blindness as a perceived limitation. Mm -hmm. It's only a limitation if you allow it to be. Hundred percent. You know. 100%. And and I would say that you know you don't have Hashimoto. Maybe healing through it. Oh, now there you go. Experiencing it right now. Yeah, I like Maybe. it. I I am yeah, only for me. I don't have it. I'm healing through it. Okay, I will. I'll take that. Uh, my brother, uh, I don't know that he does, although it might be hereditary, but all I know is when I was visiting my parents uh, uh, during the time of my sister's memorial, uh, he made the comment one morning that, oh, I have to go take my thyroid medication uh, before I can eat uh, and I have to wait, I guess, 30 minutes or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, I have that same thing as far as my doctor telling me. But I'm not taking anything, so I don't know. Maybe something totally different. But it just, it's just fascinating how these things come up. I even told the, my doctor uh, when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And he said, Richard, it's going to be a long road. going to be a long road for you, Richard. I said, no, it's not because I know how I got here. And a month and a half later, it was back to normal. And I've maintained, matter of fact, I just checked it as of this interview. I just checked it uh, the other day. And uh, I don't check it regularly anymore because it's been nearly two years. And I don't drink sodas anymore. 133. No problem. No problem. Great. Uh, so when we start talking about these different challenges, whether they be biological, physiological, etc., or where we live, where we work, 
how I, I know we talked about being the observer. Is that maybe the key place where we can change our perspective of, of the workplace, the home place, the playground, um, wherever it is that we are facing those those challenges? I, I do. I believe it's the the first step. The first step, um, you know, then the next step is, in in my view, is uh, choosing a skilled action. That's the next step. Mm. So to choose a skilled action, right, is very debatable if something's skilled or not skilled. It, it has a lot of, um, you know, different aspects to it, depending on your situation, depending on who you are. But the best skilled action that we intentionally consciously choose intention is huge too i mean uh, what we've just been talking about <clears throat> but this kind of goes back to what we talked about in our first interview not just about the the immune system but about our chemistry um is is from your perspective and again i know you're not a doctor okay <laughs> but <laughs> you have other modalities that you utilize and you work with a lot of different people. Do you think that um, our spiritual energy, if you will, helps us to overcome the chemistry that maybe we have because we haven't been putting the right elements in to generate the right kind of chemistry and so on and so forth, uh, you know, so that the chemists inside, the pharmacy inside can generate the right kinds of, oh, I, I'm not even sure what words I want to use, dopamines and, and this and that and the other thing for uh, a healthy life and a good outlook and attitude. Do you think our spiritual energy can overcome those those obstacles or those particular physiological challenges? I do. And I do. And I think it's what we're eating on all the different layers of our awareness. Ah, what we're consuming physically, what we're consuming, uh, you know, food, water. Uh, what are we watching? Mm -hmm. What are we listening to? Uh, where are we spending our time? Um, and, and so I think that if all of those consumptions mm -hmm. and actions that go with those consumptions are honoring that spiritual call, I think that there's a fantastic chance that we, it can, you know, we, we are walking miracles. We are they're like, I don't believe in miracle. You are a miracle. It's like, yeah. I don't believe in humans. Yeah. I don't believe, I don't believe that thought creates uh, material. Of course, everything you're looking at with thought, um, you're living in it. Right. So uh, I do, I do believe it's absolutely possible and, and most often happening. I think it's happening to us all the time. Um, my next thought is like, well, what if that's not the soul's contract? We you know it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. I mean, I, I, you carry a high vibration. Uh, I, 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 my sense is I may carry a high vibration. Is it make me impermeable to pain? Of course not. You know, there's pain and suffering, and there's reasons why I'm here, and I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And it may be my, 
end of my soul's business here. And so there I go. I used to think, speaking of immunity, I used to think uh, uh, I was very much aware of what the advertising industry was doing, uh, specifically on television. As a, as a kid growing up, believe it or not, uh, I knew what they were doing. I, I, know, I, I know exactly what they're doing because if it didn't work, they wouldn't do it. I mean, that's really the, the scenario. And I told myself, I'm not buying into this. You know, I'm not going to say that I didn't over, you know, over certain periods of time and in different places. But for the most part, it's like, wait a minute, I don't need that. I'm doing fine with this over here. You know, it's like I'm, I'm still working with <laughs> I'm still working with a Galaxy S7 phone from Samsung. All right. Uh, so this has got to be what, five, six, maybe seven or more years old. Still doing what I want. I have a computer at home that's still running Windows XP. And it still works. Okay. Uh, although I now have a laptop that has Windows 10, but that's a whole other story because uh, that's what was available. But it just seems as though, uh, you know, we get caught up in that whole process. And there is a way to break that uh, just by basically saying no. And I think, too, about the, 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 the law, of, um, uh, law of attraction, i.e. I. the secret. Uh, I remember a, an interview I was doing where the guest said that the secret, they left out one important element. And you actually brought it up. And that is, is that really for my best and highest good? Is that really part of my path? Or is it my ego wanting that? Mm -hmm. Now, it's not to say that you couldn't have those things, even if it was your ego. Uh, I... I have to say that that for the most part, I'm pretty satisfied with my life the way it is and the things that I have in it and the people, most importantly, the people I have in it. And I don't need to constantly be upgrading to the latest and greatest, whatever it is. I still haven't understood. When I was a kid growing up, we wore blue jeans. My brother and I wore blue jeans and we'd come home and we'd rip the knees. You know what my mom would do? Them up. No, she'd take us to the store to buy new ones. Oh. Now you go to the store and you pay several hundred dollars to buy ripped blue jeans. Yeah. And I just you don't understand. I don't understand that. Now I think my mom, she did from time to time. She did sew them up. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, really? That's yeah. the style? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I, I will pass. I will not pass judgment. I will just let it ride. But it just seemed odd to me, you know, what it does. What I really hear you saying is you're talking value system. Yeah. And I, and I, so in any given, that's why it's so fascinating to have conversations with, you know, other humans, because you know, each of us come with our own value system and our own understanding of whatever anything means. And it, it may be different, you know, um, than the other person. And it's like, so, you know, what is the value system? Um, and, you know, maybe the value system, you know, I'll just talk about myself. My, my value system is, uh, connection and, uh, kind of a, like a stability and spaciousness, which I'll call harmony. Like 
I very, very much value what the yogis called samtosha, and you use the word contentment. Samtosha means contentment. Mm-hmm. Like to just be content with where I am yeah. and uh, be steady enough that I can be present and enjoy what is. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my value systems. So, um, I don't know. You know, where where we take us the greatest, the best, all these, it's like really depends on the value system. Yeah. And I think it also shows what individuals really do value. And some people do value the material things. All right. And again, no judgment. If that's what you value, fine. I don't. Uh, I value the people that are in my life. Uh, I was asked by a gentleman who was visiting from Northern Ireland. And we got to talking a little bit, and I told him how much I loved the country. I loved being there. He says, well, what is it? What's the one thing that you love most? And I said, it's the people. And he says, you know, everybody I have ever talked with, and I've asked that same question, has had exactly the same answer. Because there's something about the Irish people, you know. And I, I, I myself, my biggest dream is to live there the rest of my life. And uh, one day that will happen. Uh, you know, it seems like it's taking a long time, but you know what? You never know, right? You never happen, know. It can happen very quickly. You'll be like, oh, it's so I, slow. And then suddenly it's set up. I didn't know I was going to live in Santa Barbara. I thought I was going to live the rest of my life in that sweltering heat of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, bicycling around. I didn't know that I was going to get a lens implant at 36 and then not long after that, get a driver's license and drive. And now I'm driving a truck pulling a travel trailer and all of this kind of stuff. We just don't know what's going to happen. And to be open to the possibilities, that's also another element, too, in terms of being the the observer, right? Is to be open to whatever comes. And even if nothing comes, being open to that, too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just feel like whoever's listening, if you, if you feel... Um, things are hopeless. I feel like it's a trick of the mind. Mm-hmm. And to understand the mind is changeable and that you're not your mind. You're, you're more than your mind. And that's when we're talking about observing. We are talking about connecting in the aspect of you that is beyond the chatter of the mind. Mm. And remember, you can change your mind. Yeah. One of the first things we learn as a two-year-old, I changed my mind. No. <laughs> Let's remember. Yeah. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. As opposed to mine, mine, it's mine. You know, that's the two-year-old. But you shift you're, out you're, of that into you know. I changed my mind. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> we are <laughs> We're talking with Melanie Salvatore. Uh, Melanie Salvatore... Um, uh, August. Uh, August, the month of August, uh, the eighth month of the year. We uh, certainly hope that it doesn't take me that long next time to to remember her name. Uh, we were talking so much. It's just like I, I I know you so well now, and and yet uh, I don't need a name. She's she's nameless. It's not the name not to be uttered. You know, her name is not Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> but we are so glad uh, yeah. that you are with us here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I want to thank you so much, uh, Melanie, for joining us here on the program. Melanie Salvatore August. And MelanieSalvatoreAugust.com is the website. She has a number of books. That
that are available for you. Some some other projects and uh, classes, and uh, she has that the fear. Uh, what was that again? The um, fierce the kindness fierce organization. kindness organization and Melwell Classroom. Mm-hmm. Tell us, That's just turning into the Melwell Olmstead. Because I've, I'm Olmstead. in the end process of building my own full-size studio, <sighs> my own indoor, and then my own outdoor platform. And uh, and uh, it's on a little, my own little homestead here in Northern California. So, Oh, my um, gosh. I do everything virtual right now, but eventually there'll be opportunities to, uh, to pop in and work with me in person if desired, right? So... Um, but I do like every day I, I work with groups and I work with individuals and uh, and in a, like a practical way, like how how do we get grounded? You, not not the idea of you. Right. <laughs> and then how do we create simple, simple steps um, that help you create more skill yeah. and feel better? I love uh, talking with uh, folks like you who are. Uh, in the process of making not only changes in self, uh, but in helping others to do the same who desire to do so. And that's a key right there. It's like you said before, you know, people have got to want to do this. And that's when you tap into that spiritual energy, regardless. And, and, and I say this regardless of the chemistry, because unfortunately, we, we do have, unfortunately, a general food supply that is not that good for us. It's not giving us what we want. But we also have uh, uh, other food supplies like I love the farmer's markets, for example, like what we have here in Santa Barbara. I know you have them in Northern California. Uh, the farmers are growing what I like to call food 150 years ago, that's all they grew. Now we call it organic food, okay? But it was just food 150 years ago. And that helps the the uh, the laboratories and all of that that's within us to develop and create and 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 uh, manufacture, if you will, all of the wonderful elements that make us biochemically who we are that helps our brain to function in a way that allows us to process the information that we take in through all of our senses, including that inner voice, if you will, uh, so that we can hopefully follow the promptings of that inner voice. And I thank you so much for being a part of that. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, all the work you do, all the love you share in the world. Well, I thank you for that, and I do have three final questions that I did ask you at the end of the last program. I like to ask every time because the answers do change. However, before I do, I want to let you know how much I appreciate you listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true, we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And you can listen uh, at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations across the Internet. And thank you for those who are reposting those interviews. We also are on YouTube, the, ta- the channel Richard Dugan and Tell Me Your Story. We hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and the videocast because when you do, you it's not about adding more subscribers to my podcast. 
podcast or video cast. That has, I don't care. If there was another way for you to be notified that there's a new interview up on those platforms, I would use it in a heartbeat. Uh, but the best way is if you subscribe, and that way every time a new guest comes along and we put it, post it, boom, you're going to be notified. So please subscribe so that that can uh, take place. I should let you know that I'm on Twitter as well, Richard Dugan, at Richard Dugan, I believe is how that's uh, that's done. So I post, every time I post a podcast, I let the uh, Twitter universe know that a new interview has been posted. And uh, we also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, as we ask you to go within, as we've been talking about with Mel here on the program, to spend time listening to that still, small voice and follow the promptings, okay? And then if you can help us out financially, we would be so grateful. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. So with that all being said, we now go to uh, our final three questions, and uh, we're going to ask them in this order. First of all, who is Melanie Salvatore August? A being of light. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Insight, joy within me and others. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To live and inspire others to live in joy. Well, again, I thank you so much for not only sharing your time and your story, but your smile. I thank you so much for being with us. <laughs> thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I am listening. <laughs>